Hello, I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. As your mother always told you, it's good to have a trade. Take the case of John Dandy, the gunsmith. In 1641, only three years after his arrival in St. Mary's City, he found himself sentenced to death. But Maryland needed a gunsmith, so acting Governor Thomas Cornwallis commuted his sentence to three years' service to the colony and had him set up shop inside the fort at St. Mary's. Another three years passed, and another court found him guilty of assault against a young Indian boy named Edward. Dandy, the court said, had placed a gun charged with bullets against the said Edward, did discharge and therewith did wound the said Edward in the right side of his belly near the navel, so that he pierced his guts, of which the said Edward, within the space of three days, died. Dandy pled guilty, but his neighbors, who didn't like their odds in a colony without a gunsmith, asked for leniency. Governor Giles Brent sentenced Dandy to another seven-year service and, sensing that he had a real talent on his hands, appointed Dandy public executioner. In 1650, after a new governor had pardoned him for his past crimes, Dandy went after one Thomas Madewell, who had apparently accepted some peaches from a young maid living in Dandy's house. Dandy was enraged, either because Madewell was filching his peaches or because he was flirting with a girl Dandy had his eye on. Whatever the case, as Madewell backpedaled to escape, Dandy's wife Anne snuck up from behind with an iron bar and staggered him with a blow to the head. Then Dandy hit him on the front of his head with a three-pound blacksmith's hammer. Somehow, Madewell got to his feet and fled the shop. Somehow, too, the dispute was settled without criminal charges. Dandy had escaped once again. In 1652, Governor Stone contemplated an expedition against the Indians. John Dandy made himself indispensable by fixing a number of guns and locks for the raiding party. That proved helpful a little later, when the Roman Catholic Dandy backed the losing side at the Battle of the Severn. Still in need of a gunsmith, a Puritan court let him off lightly with a fine of 2,000 pounds of tobacco. Then in August 1657, luck finally ran out. While paddling his canoe past Dandy's mill, William Wood came upon the naked body of Dandy's young servant, Henry Gouge floating in the creek. Wood tied one arm to his canoe and hauled the body ashore. He then brought the gunsmith and a couple of his men to look at it. John Dandy stood over the body, shook his head, and muttered that he should come to a great deal of trouble about this boy. An examination revealed a scar on the forehead and signs that Gouge had been beaten by a small switch or rod. For a time, it looked like Dandy might dodge this one, too. But more people came forward. Servants told how they had heard poor Henry yelling, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, around eleven that very morning as Dandy beat him. And Dandy admitted that Henry Gouge had gotten the scar on his forehead when Dandy hit him with an axe handle back in June, and that at the time she had taken two pieces of Henry's skull out of the wound. Walter Peake claimed that the poor lame boy seemed to be much abused with pinches around his ears. Then Richard Frebert, who lived in Dandy's house, mentioned that when John Dandy had examined Henry's body, the scar on Henry's forehead had oozed fresh blood. That did it. English forensic custom had it that when fresh blood appeared from a wound on the corpse, the murderer was at hand. Dandy fled to Virginia, only to be recaptured and brought back to Maryland for trial. He protested his innocence to no avail. This time there were no hostile Indians, and no war was imminent. Worse yet, the colony had acquired a second gunsmith. On October 3, 1657, they rowed John Dandy out to an island at the mouth of Leonard's Creek, and there his volatile, murderous career came to an end, at the end of a rope. Music